Hey guys, what's going on? It's Derek. We're back on the podcast, and this week we sit down with Laura Ligos. If you guys don't know Laura, she is the sassy dietitian, and she is a food, fitness, and coffee-loving woman who's on a mission to share healthy, tasty recipes, debunk the bullshit, and cultivate a safe space for folks to learn, ask questions, and improve their relationship with food. Laura is a registered dietitian, board-certified specialist in sports dietetics, CrossFit level two trainer, and to top it all off, she has her MBA. So obviously, Laura has a wealth of knowledge and experience that we're incredibly excited to share with all of you today. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 25, and we are here with Laura Ligos. If you don't know Laura, she's also known as the Sassy Dietitian on Instagram, Facebook, pretty much any social media platform, right? Because that is her brand. And so without getting too far into things, I'm going to let Laura tell y'all about who she is, what she does, and why she does it. Laura, go ahead and take it away. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Thank goodness for Zoom these days, right? (laughs) Being able to actually talk to people. Um, So I'm Laura, but honestly, most of my friends just call me sassy at this point. I decided to start a blog about, I don't even know how long ago, what year is it, 2020? Probably like six years ago, I was working as a hospital dietitian, and I really hated the work. I found that I was basically just spinning in circles to get people what they wanted on their tray, as opposed to actually educating them for how to be healthier. Um, So I decided to start making resources for people to be able to find my recipes and also my philosophy on nutrition that wasn't linked to, um, you know, the, the standards back then. So um, I, I've been a dietitian for almost 10 years now. Um, and I started as a clinical dietitian, like I said, and I hated the work. Um, I give them a lot of credit. Those people are essential right now. They're working in the hospitals and helping with ICU patients to tube feed them. Um, so I give them credit. It's not that I don't believe that it's worthwhile, but for me, it just wasn't a passion. I wanted to get the people before they got to the hospital bed. And so I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive husband. I went to him one morning and I said, I'm going to quit my job. He goes, you're going to do what? And he knows I'm a very strong-willed woman, so he was had no chance of stopping me. Um, I went into the office, and I was like, um, it's not you, it's me. I need to leave this job. <laughs> um, and so I did. I just up and left. I had to do three weeks of work still, but um, I left, and I started the Sassy Dietitian. I didn't have the name at first. People always ask me how I got my name. Um, but it's because I pulled a bunch of my friends, and I was like, say three words that you feel like describe me, which is a very um, humbling experience. You've never done it. (laughs) Um, And and someone said sassy and I was like, that's it. And I told all my friends, they're like, yeah, that's you that has your name written all over it. So I just kind of stuck with it and it fits my personality really well. So it never really like felt like I was forcing anything. And then since then I've just been, I have a private practice and basically um, just been kind of trying to put out content that is um, obviously evidence-based, but also completely relatable and not over the top, which you'll see a lot on Instagram. So I don't know if I got off topic, but I love what I do. I love that I get to communicate with people and teach them all about how to eat and feed themselves and love themselves through the process. 
Awesome. I love all of that. Uh, no, I think you stayed right on track too. I don't think you uh, skewed off too far. So that was wonderful. Uh, well, awesome. So I think today we'll go through, we'll kind of talk a little bit about your background, how you got into nutrition without tumbling too far down the rabbit hole. And then, uh, you know, from there, we'll kind of get into the, our real discussion today, which I think we'll both enjoy. We have what seems like very similar viewpoints. So I think folks will enjoy the conversation. So you know, without, like I said, tumbling too far down this rabbit hole or snowballing out of control, you know, what, why nutrition? What inspired you to pursue that career? So I feel like it's a, there's a bunch of different layers to why I decided to go down this field. I actually was just emailing with a student um, this morning. She was asking, like, am I in the right field? And I was like, honestly, I feel like you have to go down the field and actually try it to know if it's for you. Um, I probably didn't know I wanted to be a dietitian until I was in my dietetic internship, which you have to do after college, which is ridiculous because you have to know you want to go into dietetics pretty early on in your undergrad because you have to get enough um, qualifying credits to be able to get into an internship. Um, but I had two reasons that I wanted to go. I just wanted to be in Nutrition 101, which was like the first course to get through it all. Yeah, and my mom has food allergies. So like I growing up, I always kind of like was confused and scared and just didn't understand it. And so when I get confused and scared, I go down the rabbit hole of researching the heck out of it and trying to understand it because I'm a very empathetic person. So I feel everything they're feeling, but I want to know why and I want to know how to fix it. I like always just want to fix people's problems. So that was part of it. And then the other part is I was a very I was a competitive swimmer. I went to school. Um, or I didn't go to school to swim, but I swam in college. And so I wanted to also understand how to fuel myself in order to be the best swimmer that I could be. I'm, I'm all of five four, so I have a big personality, but I'm not very big as far as uh, a swimmer goes. Um, you look at some of those Olympic swimmers, like Natalie Coslin, I'll never forget it. I met her and I was like looking at her. She's towering over me and I'm like, this is why I was never an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> that and many other reasons. But um, I wanted to know how to feel myself. And also like, I don't know, as a female, I think it, it's something that we're almost taught restriction growing up and talking about how to like view your body and put yourself into this like hole that you're supposed to look like something and act like something. So I was always curious on that. And then eventually that's how I got into it. But my nutrition 101 class was like, that sealed the deal. I had all these questions and the, the professor, like he doesn't know that he impacted me so greatly, but he did. He made, he made it fun and exactly what I needed. He like described all the energy pathways by running around the room <laughs> and showing like, this is the, you know, the lactic acid cycle. This is the glycolytic cycle. And he's like going, he's running. He ends up taking off his pants, which he had shorts on under it, but just like, I will never forget that. And that was like, Oh my God, it was 14 years ago at this point, And I can vividly remember this class. So that's, awesome. um, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I've never looked back. I never quite understood, to be honest, like the dietetic track, because when they talk about it in school, they talk about like, okay, you're going to go and work in the hospital, or you're going to go into food service, or you're going to go into the community and work with basically like food stamps and WIC, which all are great um, jobs and definitely necessary, but I was like, I don't fit any of those. That's not why I got into this, but, um, the kind of alternative dietetics is where I got, I really got, um, my stride. That's awesome. I love the, uh, the example of your professor. That's way better than sitting down and studying the, uh, the Krebs cycle diagram in your textbook. 
Definitely. I mean, we definitely had to do that. But like, for me, I'm such a visual and like tactile person. And I'm very physically active. So to understand like, okay, yes, the textbook, the Krebs cycle looks like a circle with things coming in and out of it, which is great. And that's how you have to explain it and understand it. But then to actually apply it and say, okay, this this is why, this is what the Krebs cycle does. This is what the quarry cycle does. Like understanding all those facets of metabolism and then seeing, okay, this is what is happening. And knowing that it's not just a static image, it's actually something in a functioning human body that's incredibly complicated, but really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember going through all that stuff in school as well. And I was not as apt at like the chemistries and the biochemistries and all that. So that's why I didn't pursue the same route you did. But yeah, I thought the same thing. It's I'm so not much sure better. I would have if he didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard, overwhelming. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what stroke did you swim? Uh, I was a 200 butterflyer, and then also I did freestyle okay. when I wasn't butterflying. Yeah, five four. That's not quite the usual swimmer build, but good for you for <laughs> putting in the work. Uh, people always said I swam tall, so like if you saw me in the water, you would assume that I was taller, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know my uh, my fiance is well was a very competitive swimmer throughout all of. Um, you know, middle school, high school, and then she even dove in college. But we'll we'll get in the pool and do some swim workouts, and it is just embarrassing. <laughs> I am just getting my ass kicked up and down the pool. And she probably feels like she's not even close to what she used to be. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, that's well, how I feel. I we we swim sometimes too, and I'm like, God, I'm so out of breath, and my husband's like, What? I'm dying, <laughs> and you're laughing me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get in, and she's like, Hey, you want to swim a uh, 500 or a thousand to warm up? I'm like, uh, that'll put me out like that. I'm done. <laughs> uh, so, uh, without getting too far on a tangent here now, in terms of like your education, where'd you go to school? Um, obviously you did your dietetic internship, like tell us a little bit about the, the education side of things. Um, so I went to Cornell, um, I didn't ever think I would go to like an Ivy league and I still forget that I did. Like I didn't go to it based on that, but Um, I was looking at schools that had a lot of options for education because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I wanted to be in the sciences, so I picked schools that were, like, heavy on the sciences. And then I also had the joy of doing recruiting trips for swimming, and I fell in love with the team and the school. So I applied early, got in, and that was history. Um, They joke and say it's the hardest school or easiest school to get into as far as the Ivies go and the hardest to get out of, (laughs) Um, which is 100 percent true. I almost failed out my freshman year because I was not prepared for biology and chemistry and um, all those incredibly hard sciences that I was paired up against these pre-med students who were geniuses. And here I am like, how did they even let me in? but I became very resourceful um, and C's get degrees. So that's how you get through with school like that. <laughs> um, and uh, during that time, I also, um, I know you asked about school, but some, something really cool I got into was I worked for McCormick and Company, the spice company between my junior and senior year. Um, well, actually both after junior and after senior year. And it was the coolest experience. I actually got to work in their test kitchen where I tested, developed recipes, tested recipes, analyzed the nutrition, and also scaled it up and down and then demoed it to the sales team. And just having that experience gave, put, like, 
breathed new life into my dietetic career because I recognized I was like, oh, I could do this as a dietitian or I could also go do this as a dietitian. Like there's no rules as far as what I needed to go do. So my senior year, you, you have to apply to an internship and it's a matching program. Um, and it's, it's a terrible process and I don't know why it hasn't changed yet. But basically you rank your top five um, internship options, you obviously apply to them, but you rank them in order. And then every school you apply to, they rank all of their applicants as far as like what order they would want them in. And so you could put a school like fifth on your list and they could put you pretty high up on your list. But because of the way that you guys like match, you wouldn't get in because someone else put them first. Mm -hmm. And so it's a terrible process. I didn't get in. And I was like, of course, heartbroken, but being the resourceful, resilient human that I am, I immediately went like running down to my mentor and I was like, I didn't get in. What do I do next? And she's like, maybe take a breath and go, you know, sleep it off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I ended up finding this new program that was an MBA dietetic internship program. And it was just so new and so different. And I was like, dang, like, I can't believe I didn't see this before. And they weren't in the match program. So you could apply on a rolling basis. So I literally submitted the next morning an application and they got back to me immediately. I had actually had a business minor and having the McCormick experience, like I had experience in the business world and they accepted me like on the spot. So it was like only a day of sadness. And then I was like in an internship like everybody else. But um, that process was amazing. So I basically did my internship during the day. You have to work in the hospital, community settings. And I, cho- I chose a lot of electives as well. Um, so I worked with a sports dietitian and um, in a business setting where they basically came up with the recipes for um, fast food restaurants, which was really cool, like that whole development process. Um, and that was a two-year program. And then in the evenings, we did our MBA classes. And then on the weekends, most of us were working. I was a swim instructor. My friends waited tables. It was wild. It was in Chicago, which was amazing. Um, but it was a crazy two-year experience. Um, and then after that, um, my husband lived in or lived in Albany at the time, which is where we live now. And he worked for GE. And I was like, well, you have a stable job, so I might as well come to you. And I got a job in the hospital, and I've been here ever since but not at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you at the hospital once you went out to all the um, I'm not sure. I don't think I even made it two years. I think I was just shy of two years. Okay. I tried really hard. I was like, I'm going to make it three years. And then I finally was like, nope, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not happy, it's definitely not worth it. Oh, I was miserable. I was like a shell of a human, which, you know, when you're not in the right position, you're not, it's not fair to you. And it's also not fair to your coworkers and to the people that you're serving. I mean, I look back to the coworkers and I'm like, I I feel sad that they don't know who I really am because I feel like they just got this like miserable young person who was trying to find herself and find her career, which of course, you know, they don't care, but I care because I feel like I'm such a feeling person. I'm like, I'm so sorry that that's what you experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we say the same thing about coaching. You know, if I'm out on the floor and I'm coaching four to five classes every single day, like I always feel bad for that fourth and fifth class because you know they're not getting the tr- my true self or my biggest self. They're getting you right. know, wh- whatever's left over. So I completely can relate to you there. Well, awesome. So along with all of the nutrition that you're involved in, you also are passionate about fitness or at least somewhat passionate because you've got your level two. 
you know, where did fitness come into play and specifically where did CrossFit come into play and why CrossFit? So when I graduated college, I um, didn't really do anything fitness wise because after, you know, being told to swim four hours a day, you're like, freedom, this is amazing. I don't have to do anything now. Um, and so I spent probably a good year really doing nothing. And I just felt, I actually felt just kind of like lost, obviously, as most college kids do when they graduate. And I was also bored. I was like, my body likes to move. So one of my best now best friends from grad school, she started CrossFit during our internship and I couldn't afford it at the time. Um, but I would sometimes do the workout like, um, at home workouts in my room, um, and she would bring me to her class and they were allowed to bring friends and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is amazing. Someone tells you what to do and you just have to show up and do it. Um, and so I loved it, but I just like, like I said, I couldn't afford it. And I was so busy that I probably wouldn't have been able to make classes anyway. So I did my own thing. And then when I moved to Albany in 2012, I told my husband, I was like, we're going to find a CrossFit gym. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I was like insistent on it. Come to find out two of his good coworker friends also did CrossFit. He had no idea what it was. Um, and they were like, you should come to our gym. So we tried it out and we've been doing it ever since. And I just feel like I've always like growing up, I was always on a sports team. I was always, my parents were always running and working out themselves. So it's just been like ingrained in me that you're supposed to move your body. And I feel better when I move my body and finding CrossFit was like, it was the perfect timing because I didn't know anybody in the area. So it gave me like an instant set of friends who had the same, you know, beliefs. We didn't want to be hanging out the bars anymore. We wanted to be actually like, you know, feeling good about ourselves and maybe having wine dates on the couch after working out. Um, so I loved it. Um, I never thought I would coach it, but, um, my, one of the coaches at our original gym opened his own gym down the road from us. And so it's much closer than our original gym. He's like, just come try it out. And we did. And we never left that gym. Um, and we're still there today. So that's probably six years ago. Um, and I just was helping a lot of the new people because our gym, the older gym were people who were like, had started CrossFit in 2010. Like they were OGs. They knew everything about it. They were like me. They read everything on CrossFit.com. They did all those home workouts. They were like super nerdy about it. Um, but this new gym, it was a lot of people who just were looking to be fit and they didn't have time to look on CrossFit.com. They didn't know what the games were about. They had no idea who these people were. Um, so I was helping them. I would, you know, help them with their squat or their pull-up or whatever, like tell them what worked for me. And my, my gym owner was like, you need to go get certified. We need you as a coach here. So I did that probably five years ago. Um, and I just kept pursuing. I was like, I want to know more. Being the science nerd that I am I never feel like I'm educated enough or have enough experience so I'm constantly trying to learn um, my next step once the world opens again is to hopefully get certified in kettlebells um, through like um, it's called strong first mm -hmm. um, so that's my next goal is just to continually I'm, I'm continually getting education on the nutrition side and so the fitness it goes hand in hand and most of my clients that I now work with are I call them fitness enthusiasts so they're not elite athletes they are just like me. They just love moving their body or they want, they love the idea of moving their body, but also have no idea how to fuel their body. So we kind of tie the two together. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, we, we pretty much do the same thing with our clients, right? Like we saw probably like you did a need for 
you know, the nutrition side and the fitness side together. And it just so happened that I, fitness is my niche and nutrition is my fiance's niche. And so we were able to combine those services. And a lot of that came from probably very similar experiences to you seeing sort of a white space in the CrossFit market, so to speak, and knowing that like nutrition could really help these people. Did that influence you developing Sassy at all and the, the clientele that you were pursuing? Oh, 100%. So I started, I was at the first gym, which was Albany CrossFit, which was pretty well known. It was very big at the time. Um, and I was still at the hospital then, but I was starting to transition out. And so I asked the owners, I was like, can I do some like talks? Um, I did them for free at the time because um, I didn't care. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to tell everybody that stop doing the zone diet. I can actually give you tangible stuff to work on um, because literally like within two months of being there, one of the coaches had uh, a whole talk on the zone diet. And I was like, I'm like taking notes and I'm like, I'm like using my science background. And I'm like, this is not scientific. It sounds like a marketing ploy to restrict food so i bought the book and i read it and it reads like an infomercial i don't know if you've ever read it i've read it It literally reads like an infomercial it's like everything and you'll get into the zone and if you do this you'll be in the zone and i was like i get it i got to a point right like if you manage the quantity of your diet then obviously you'll probably see results same with if you manage the quality of your diet in the beginning you'll most likely see results so i saw that and i was like i tread on like you know, really thin ice. I was like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I'm a dietitian and I'm not your typical diet. I had to like always leave with that. I'm like, I'm not a typical dietitian. I'm like a little bit different. And I do believe in the philosophy of like, you know, eat real food, that whole thing. So I started giving free talks and seminars, which was really cool that they allowed me to do that. And that is where I really started to get to talk to people who weren't in their hospital bed. And I realized that there was definitely a need for nutrition education. The hardest part I had back then was the trainers just felt that they knew best. And I don't, I understand where they're coming from, right? Like they were so passionate about their fitness and they were so passionate about fueling themselves that they just wanted to tell everybody like, Hey, do paleo, do zone, like you'll feel better. And in a sense they were right. But in another sense, like, I don't think they realized how uh, complicated nutrition is from both a physiological standpoint as well as a mental and emotional standpoint. So I was trying to just like keep, I just kept, kept weaving myself in and like, Hey, remember you can use me. Hey, remember, like if you want, want to have someone to come talk to you, like tell them to come to me. Um, and I was doing like free one-on-ones at the time. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I mean, I had an MBA, but I didn't know anything about like starting your own like startup, mm-hmm. which is insane. Um, but yeah, there was that definitely that need of like trying, like they knew there was a need for nutrition, but no one knew how to fill it. And people are still struggling with that today. So that's where I ho- I try to come in in the fitness space of like being someone who's relatable. I'm in the fitness space of doing all of that with you, but also giving you easy takeaways to understand how to fuel your body. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think it's funny you brought up the zone because, you know, back in 2000, you said 12, right? When you kind of got into CrossFit, that's when I started CrossFit. And that really was all you were doing. You know, like everybody was talking zone and then paleo came shortly after and then like paleo zone combination. And, but (laughs) you're right, like when you read the book and when you really dive into it, like how do we... I find it hard to believe that we're still in CrossFit, including that in the lectures and in the curriculum as something that's viable for the general public. Because that's a really, yeah. I mean, it's basically adv- 
counting macros, but making it more complicated. <laughs> definitely. It's definitely more complicated and it's way more restrictive. Like I remember doing the calculations and I think it recommended like 12 to 1400 calories for me. And I was like, I was like, excuse me. That's like, <laughs> I'm done that by lunch. You want me to eat that little? I will be a terror. Um, yeah, I remember that in the L1 lecture. I told myself going in, I was like, they're going to talk about nutrition, have an open mind and ask questions if appropriate. If you're going to get upset, don't ask questions. Like these, these are the <laughs> internal conversations I have with myself because I'm not the leader. I'm not in charge. I'm here to experience the philosophy that is CrossFit. And I sat in that lecture and I'm sure if someone was watching, I probably had like white knuckles. I was just like squeezing. I'm like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And like the girl was amazing like she you know they're they're such great presenters mm -hmm. that everyone in the room is like so enwrapped in it and I'm like, I'm like oh my god guys I'm like this isn't this isn't the way it works this isn't nutrition um but unfortunately like I think that it just takes a while but I think that's a really good lesson for people in the CrossFit world is like yes we know that zone is no longer should no longer be the standard but it's still in the L1 practice so think about the dietetic practice right? We no longer talk about the food pyramid, but it's still in some of our books because you can't, you can't overhaul education as fast as you want to. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good lesson to people of like, no, no single governing body is perfect. I mean, look at our, our whole like United States right now, <laughs> right? Like nothing, no overarching governing body is perfect. It's the workers who get things done and communicate um, things appropriately to the people who need to hear it. So I think that, like, if I can learn anything from that, it's like, look, like, even CrossFit, who I think is incredibly progressive and does a really good job of educating people on how to move their body, is still struggling with the how to fuel your body part. Mm -hmm. And we're working on it, but, you know, unfortunately, it just takes time to overhaul. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point. It is just time, and it also is... I think it's also like saturation in the community, right? We need more than just one or two folks preaching that message that there's a different way to do this and a better way to do it. And then as that permeates throughout, you know, HQ and throughout the entire community, then you'll start to see those changes. And I've actually told a few folks, uh, you know, my level one at this point was seven years ago, but I interned for seminar staff last year and they are making changes. Like the, the lecture has changed and they are being more cautious of how they're presenting things. And so it just goes to your point of it takes time, but they are aware and they are making changes. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I try to talk to people in the community too. And I, I honestly haven't heard the word zone since like today. <laughs> I haven't thought about it because it's not something that they actively promote. But I think one of my biggest gripes with CrossFit is that they're doing a great job with educating the medical community and the doctors. And they recognize that like, hey, this is a really great opportunity to share the CrossFit philosophy with doctors, they have not extended the same great belief to dietitians, And I think that's a huge oversight. I think that instead they're trying to say, you know, screw the dietetic profession. We have plenty of nutrition experts within our field. We don't need you as opposed to saying, hey, we can all work together. Like I have nothing against nutritionists and health coaches. What I have is when they overstep their bounds and they don't stay in their lanes. But we are not creating a cohesive environment for us within the CrossFit community because the CrossFit higher-ups are basically saying dietitians suck. They're trying to get legislation to kick everybody out of doing nutrition. No, we're trying to protect not our profession. We're trying to protect the human race, you know, and understand like when you have an act, like when people come 
come to me who have actual seriously like hormonal issues and metabolic issues, like they should not be working with a nutritionist. They should be working with someone who can actually help them fix their hormones and fix their metabolism and work through, you know, hypothyroidism or, you know, diabetes. But for the person who just comes into CrossFit and is just looking to improve their diet and lifestyle with no other disease issues, like, yes, that would be great to take that off of my plate, right? I don't need to be telling people to eat more vegetables and, you know, here's how to meal plan for yourself. I don't need to be doing that. Um, but I think that I, I wish CrossFit would embrace that and say, yeah, let's all get together. You know, I mean, doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, they've all learned to work together, right? They're all, they all have different qualifications up the scale, but they're all essential to working together and fixing problems. And I think that if we could do the same in our profession and get dietitians and um, clinical nutrition specialists and nurse, uh, what are they called? Um, nutrition, uh, what are they called? NTPs, that. <laughs> um, NTPs and precision nutritionists and like all these people, like we have a whole scale. And I think if we all work together within the CrossFit community, we would have a bigger impact. It's close to fighting against each other. It's not getting us anywhere. Yeah, I completely agree. We have a really good friend who's very heavily involved in CrossFit, or at least had been for years, and she's a physician assistant. And we talked about the same thing. You know, it's, I love the MDL one, just like you said, I think it's really good. I think it gets doctors connected and involved and aware. But I think it does eventually need to expand into, like you said, you know, physician assistant into dietitians into really every level of healthcare. That way it is one unified message and everybody's having different touch points with these clients or with their people, right? You're not, the physicians are rarely seeing patients at this point. You're, you're mostly dealing with physician assistant. So, you know, it's, I think what you said is a perfect point, bring everybody together, get everybody involved, get the message consistent, and then we can impact more lives as we're going through. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't vote well for anybody if we're fighting about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you see that, you know, you see that in healthcare. I've, you know, had my own journey with my health and whatnot this, this whole year. And so I feel like I'm seeing it from ground zero of like just getting access to my blood work has been a nightmare. And I'm like, why is this so hard? You know, it, I mean, New York state has its own issues with blood work. So we're like the worst state to get blood drawn in, but um, it just doesn't like, it's just not a cohesive unit. Whereas like you should be able to talk to your dietitian who talks to your doctor, who talks to the PA, who talks to your OB. Like it should be this, like this entire like conglomerate and then talk to your CrossFit coach. So they understand like what's going on. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think eventually maybe we'll get there. It's obviously going to take a while, but hopefully (laughs) it's almost like there needs to be these like, uh, you know, these pods of, or these teams of folks and they're dealing with X number of patients or, you know, whatever conditions you want to throw in that, in that bucket. But who knows, eventually someone smarter than us will figure it out. (laughs) I hope so. I mean, I talked to, we have a doctor a PA and a PT at our gym as well as me and so we've all talked about that because we're all obviously we CrossFit so I just feel like when you're in the CrossFit environment you have a different philosophy so we're all obviously within fields that are a little antiquated in their thoughts and beliefs but we have this progressive way of dealing with our clients so now it's like we almost have our internal referral system of like if we see someone who's probably more in the cross the mentality we now refer them to one another because we want them to get that kind of care yeah. um 
but unfortunately a lot of people don't even know about CrossFit. So like they don't want that type of care. They literally want to go in get a prescription and go home. But for those who do want that like holistic approach, we, I wish that there was an easier way to get, get it for most people. Yeah, for sure. I love that though. Those internal referrals. That's awesome. You know, and now all that being said, is that kind of the mission of Sassy is to reach those kind of individuals who want that kind of help or, you know, where, what's the goal for you? I have a lot of goals. I'm very overly ambitious. (laughs) Um, But yes, I, you know, I was accepting everybody and anyone in the beginning of my practice because I truly do like one of my missions is just to help people love to eat and also help them fuel their bodies so that they can be as healthy as possible for as long as possible. That's always been my mission. However, I have to also then be honest and true to myself is that I want successful clients and not everyone's going to be the right fit for me. So I look for the person who is willing to invest in their cell and themselves, but also do the dirty work. You know, I can't do everything for you. I can't feed you. I can't meal prep or meal plan for you, but I can give you all the tools to do that. You just have to work hard. So I almost know immediately who my successful clients are going to be based on our first conversation together. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit more like I have a whole application process and people work with me now because I really want people to be ready. It's not that I don't want to help everybody. It's just that I, I don't have the time or resources to do that. And so I want to make sure that my time is spent, um, wisely with the people who are ready for that change. Um, most of my, I would actually say all of my clients now are in the fitness space. Not all of them are in CrossFit, but they are somehow tied to fitness, whether it's that they like Pilates or yoga or they run their marathon runners, triathletes, however it might be like, it's a part of who they are. Um, and so that's something I look for. And then a lot of people I work with have either, they have some type of metabolic disruption. I hate using the word damage. So just say disruption um, or hormonal imbalances. Um, and I just, signed up for my own personal education to start learning how to incorporate more labs and blood works into my practice. Um, Because I do believe that if we can look under the hood, we can get a better idea to what's going on with people. Um, Obviously, it increases the cost, but the goal is for it to be a short-term cost for long-term success. Um, And then I'm basically, that's like my high offer, but I'm also looking to bring in group coaching and some lower price options for those who either don't have it in their budget or just aren't sure they're ready for that huge commitment. Um, So that's kind of my next step too, is providing group coaching, Um, which is also like, it's like CrossFit, right? Some people, they do, they love personal training. They love that one-on-one, they thrive in it. And other people, it makes them uncomfortable and they feel like they can't see results. They love the group environment. They love having like a little bit of animosity animosity is that it animosity is more no. like negative camaraderie no no like uh you know when they want to be anonymous that <laughs> <laughs> i know i know what you're saying but i also can't think of the word um my husband he god love him i he always makes fun of me i always get phrases wrong i said last night i wanted to um i i can't remember what the phrase was but i just i basically wanted to like oh i wanted to pull the trigger on something by buying it, um, which was a continuing education. But I said, I want to pull the plug. And he was like, so you're not going to do it. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. And he's like, then you want to pull the trigger. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) So some people like to be in the anonymous, like in a group setting where they're a little bit more anonymous, where they're not in the, the, you know, the bright lights, but they're also getting the, um, the same result just in a group setting. So that's my eventual goal is to create a space for virtual group coaching. 
Um, and then on top of that, I'm constantly looking to create content and also work with brands. I love working with food brands. It's like another avenue of my business. Um, and it's really hard because it's an influencer um, saturated market. And I don't consider myself an influencer. I consider myself an expert who just happens to have some influence. Um, and so it's hard working with brands because obviously I need a paycheck in order to pay my bills and keep a roof over our head. But I also just love promoting the products that I love because I know that if it's a product that I can truly trust and it makes me feel good, it's also going to help others enjoy real food, but also just, you know, it's 2020. So some processed food within there. Um, and so that's another arm that I'm trying to figure out how to weave that into all of my coaching. So a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You got your hand in a ton of different pots. And is the the one on one that sort of that high offer you mentioned? Is that how you spend most of your time right now? Um, yes and no. I try to spend like certain days doing the one on one so that it's not taking up my entire life. Um, because I would literally give everything to my clients. I literally would spend 24 seven, just like calling them being like, are you okay? What do you need? Tell me about your day. Um, so I've tried to block that a little bit. So it's not, I try to make it like 20% of my week. Um, and then I spend the other 80% doing other value added projects. And a lot of it's like free work, you know, I'm doing mm -hmm. a lot of content that's free. It's because I don't, I want to give people as much as I possibly can um, while still making a business, which is really, you probably understand it's really hard. It's like, where do you draw the line? It's like, I still need to feed myself. I still need to ask for money. But at the same time, like there are so many influencers out there giving the wrong information. So if I'm not there with them giving information, then I feel like I'm doing a disservice to people. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say is it is such a saturated market. Like you mentioned that, if you're not putting out all of that free content, which I also think people underestimate how much time it takes to create all of oh that. Oh my God. And so, you know, we're, we're spending 80% of our time creating all this content, giving out for free. And then like you mentioned, maybe 20 to 30% of our time is actually paid. And, but if you're not putting out that free content, you have minimal credibility at best because no one sees you. You have yep. a really small pool of people to then try to, pull into your system and it's just it's kind of like a vicious cycle <laughs> yeah it's really hard and i i agree people don't realize that how much the free content um it really takes a toll um i i love it and i'm sure you love it too when you're passionate about something it's like you love it but at the same time like sometimes a blog post will take me all day so I try not to spend too much time blogging anymore, but like an Instagram post, like, you know, now I'm trying to get fancy with like putting in, um, pictures and stuff. I'm like, that can take me two hours Yeah. <laughs> where it really shouldn't, but it does. And, you know, I think that people forget that, but, um, it, you got to keep showing up. And I, that's what I tell a lot of dietitians who like look to me and they're like, how did you get to where you got to? I'm like, I just kept showing up. Like, I don't think I'm anything special. Um, I'm definitely not someone to like flaunt my face or my body. I don't think that that's just not my brand. I'm not here to be like, look at me. Instead, I'm here to educate. And so I just, I've constantly showed up. I mean, you can scroll back in my Instagram and look at some of the horrendous food photos I posted, but like, it didn't matter, right? I was showing up for my people. I was giving them recipes. I was showing them how I was eating. I was giving them tidbits on nutrition advice or just, you know, emotional advice around food and around your body and fitness. And that's what people want. 
So I basically just made it a pact that I'm just going to keep showing up for them day, day in and day out. I don't care about how many followers I have. I really don't. I care about all the DMs I get, all the cool stories that I get from people and the relationships that I'm forming and the lives that I'm changing that I don't even know that I'm changing. Um, and so it's amazing, but it's hard to keep up. I mean, it's hard to keep up in this TikTok world where people are literally just like <laughs> half dressed and dancing and getting views. And I'm like, are you kidding? I literally spent two hours on this post about under eating and you post a video of you dancing and it gets 5,000 more likes, which, you know, it just, I just stopped looking at it because otherwise that's just not my goal. My goal is not to get likes. My goal is not to get followers. My goal is to educate and to show up for my people. And if I do that daily, then I feel like I've won. Yeah, that's, I love what you just said there, because we, I think all of us who are in this space and who are putting out content and trying to educate folks and help people, it's really easy to get reeled into the entire, you know, process uh, or concept of like, how many followers do I have? Uh, How many likes am I getting? How many views is each video getting that I'm uploading? And what you just said about TikTok is hilarious because we have a TikTok as well. And, you know, we'll post, we try to post the majority of our content being educational, being something that people can actually use uh, at home workouts, Mm -hmm. et cetera. We'll post those. Maybe we'll get 10,000 views. Maybe we'll post a video of a trend, you know, and, it'll get 60 to 70,000 views. And we're like, what is wrong with the world? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with people? Uh, It's, you know, I get it. People want to be entertained, especially in the current climate. So I get it. But at the same time, it it can be really defeating. And that's why I keep, I try to mentor a bunch of dietitians or dietitian students. And I'm like, your goal is not to get likes. Your goal is not to be an entertainer. Like if, you know, I think a lot, a lot of times that people say to me, they think that I'm funny and entertaining. And I'm like, sure, that's just my personality. Like I'm not trying to put on a show. Um, But it does help to be, have a, you know, fun personality. But at the end of the day, like as long as you're providing content to the, your people that's all that matters yep. and someone once told me they're like who cares if you get one like that one like could be oprah you know or that could be that like one person that you truly love you know it could be someone in the crossfit community um like i have some of the top crossfit women who follow me which is i think incredibly flattering because i'm like dang like i you know i i respect them for all that they've done um but they respect me for all that i've done and so i think that you know, I have enough credibility now that people respect the hell out of me for what I do, but I'm not getting thousands of likes. I mean, uh, JJ has, uh, my husband, he has a ton of younger um, cousins. And if you look at their photos, they get an astronomical amount of likes. It's their, it's their generation. Yeah. You know, that's what they were grown up with. They were, they literally like scroll, like scroll, like scroll. Whereas if you look at, like, I've actually done this. I've watched my friends. Um, when they're on their phone or I'll watch him when he's on the couch at night and he reads everything. Like when he's scrolling, he truly does. He's interested in education and understanding, you know, whatever is going on out there, but he doesn't like, like he literally sits there. I'll watch him. He'll sit, kind of look and then he'll scroll. I'm like, you didn't like that person's post. And he's like, it's not about that. I'm like, you're right. It's not about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I think you're right though. We're I'm cause I'm the same way. Number one, I try not to care about any of that because like you said, the goal is just to put out the content and to help people and to reach the right people. And you're only going to do that if you do it every single day and, you know, ignore everything else because you don't need a broad audience. You need a deep audience. And then the second thing is I do the exact same thing that you just mentioned about your husband. I will get on there and all the people that I follow, I'm really into what they're putting out there. I'll read the entire post. 
I'll look at the pictures or the videos and I'll think, wow, that was awesome. And then I'll just scroll right to the next one. And over the last six months, I've been like, you know what? I need to like engage with these people because I want people to mm-hmm. engage with me and let them know like, hey man, you're killing it. Keep putting out that content. Like it's so awesome. It resonated with me, whatever it may be, but I do the exact same thing. And it's kind of been something I'm trying to shift away from. Well, it's hard because you also want to be genuine and authentic with your interaction. Like, I don't want fake people coming to my account and being like, you're amazing. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. But I have a very, like, I call them a sleeper audience. Like, I have a very deep audience. But they're not people to comment. They're not fake people. They're just, they truly, they love the content and they do the same thing. And I can tell that because when I put something very personal up on my Instagram last week, like, I have never had such outpouring of love and support. And I didn't do it for that. I did it because I told my audience from day one, I'm going to be transparent and honest with you. And doing that being, I was so vulnerable. I was like, maybe I shouldn't post this. My husband's like, do it. It'll make you feel better. And that was the first time I felt like I truly heard my audience. I'm like, oh, you guys are there. Like you have been there since day one. You just don't feel the need to, you know that I don't need validation. You know Mm -hmm. that I'm not here for you to like my video of me dancing. Like you're here to truly take in what I'm giving you. And to me, that was the biggest lesson I learned last week. I was like, thank God, like these people are here for the right reason. And for that, I have to continue to show up because my goal, once again, is to get people to enjoy eating and to be the healthiest version of themselves for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. And I actually saw the post you're talking about and I was reading through some of the comments and I thought it was awesome and just so, it was probably overwhelming for you to see the love and the appreciation for you and the support for you like through all of those comments and they really did kind of come together and and support you during that. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, I'm still overwhelmed by it and I still, um, I, I love personality stuff so I like go through all of that and I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram but I'm an Enneagram two through and through so I'm like a helper and I'm someone who I don't know how to ask for help and I don't know how to accept help and I constantly just like I just want to help that's all I want to do and so I was so overwhelmed my friend was like I think you have a vulnerability hangover and I was like I do I'm like because I feel like now I have to go say every single person and tell them why I love them and why I support them. And she's like, that's exactly what you don't need to do right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was, it was amazing to see. And I think that those who are building genuine communities, the second that they reach out for help or just to share a personal journey, will get that in reward. And that's why it's so important to be authentically who you are um, because that's the type of people you want to attract. Like I tell people all the time, like who cares what your numbers are if your numbers are full of people who are just there to look at your ass. Like, you know, that's not really what you're there for. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Uh, So I think we're getting too far into a wormhole here. We'll pull back on the the social media front. No, it's, it's good. I got sucked right in there with you. All right. So back to like our topic, health, fitness, wellness, you know, I kind of want to dive into what are some things you think we're doing well in the space? What are some things you think we're doing horribly? And this can be pure nutrition (laughs) and dietetics, or it could be a combination of both. I kind of just want to let you steer the conversation here, but what are, what are three things you think we're doing well? Some, maybe some changes you've seen, some trends. Is there anything (laughs) that we're doing well? I think um, one thing that I've recently is we've shifted away from talking about restrictive diets they're obviously still out there there's a ton of diets um, but I think we're starting to change the conversation to more about intuitive eating and I'm much of the belief that uh, it's really hard to be intuitive in 2020 so I think that most of us find 
our best success in the gray area between somewhere between, you know, having a diet and being intuitive. But I find that the, the conversation is shifting away from you have to be on a diet and more about, hey, let's think, like meet you where you're at and get you to eat more intuitive and stop listening to all diet culture. So I think that's a really positive thing. I don't think it's been um, relayed all that well. I think, unfortunately, people feel like they have to be in a camp, right? I'm either pro-diet or anti-diet. And that's like, hold up, we can be in between. And so that's where we're not handling it appropriately. So like the, the message is good. We're telling people, okay, it's okay that you're not on a diet. It's okay that you're not restricting. But at the same time, I think we're doing poorly the execution of like, you don't have to be in one camp or the other. You can meet in the middle. Um, so that's kind of one shift that I've seen. Because I feel like when I first started dietetics I felt like it was all about different diets like you had like everyone identified with a diet like oh I'm doing some fast or I'm keto back then it was Atkins or South Beach right like everyone had kind of that identity or, or you know I'm vegetarian or I'm pescatarian and I find that people are kind of pulling away from that and they're trying their best to just eat how they want to eat and not necessarily putting a title on it awesome. um, I also I also think the CrossFit community, for the most part, is starting to shift into talking about eating enough. So I felt like a while back it was like also being restrictive, but now I feel like even some of the females, I'm so proud of them for speaking up and basically saying, you know, we need to be fueling ourselves. We need to be eating more as opposed to eating less. Um, and, you know, a lot of them have been talking about how when they're eating more, I think Lauren Fisher did this actually really well. She was talking about how like, yeah, she may not be the skinniest athlete out there, but she wants to fuel her performance. Um, and I think there are a few other females that did that too, like Kenzie O'Reilly or Kenzie Riley, who's also a dietitian. Um, they've been talking about just like, it doesn't, you don't have to be cut to be a good athlete. And I love that shift. Um, and I think that's really helpful because unfortunately a lot of people really put these athletes on a pedestal and they want to be them, which I don't blame them, but at the same time, it's like, you're don't, you don't work out six to eight hours a day. <laughs> Um, but at least their messages are now, instead of them talking about the zone or paleo, they're talking about how they're eating enough or trying to eat enough to fuel performance. And that has been a huge shift I've seen probably the past like three years. Mm -hmm. For sure. So those are kind of some really positives that I've seen. Yeah, no, I completely agree with both. If I had to list two or three, those probably would have both been on, on my list there as well. And uh, the first one you mentioned shifting away from like that restrictive nature, I think we've especially seen that, or at least I've seen that, especially in the last like six months to a year. I see a lot of people moved into the camp of intuitive eating of, you know, balance and I don't want to say moderation, but balance and just like creating healthy, sustainable habits and eating in a way that can be maintained across a lifetime versus, you know, zone or keto or paleo or these things that you see people seeing results with because they are restricting their caloric intake, but that can't be maintained, you know, outside of those three or six months that they were actually following the program. And so I think that's awesome because we preach to all of our clients, this, it, it isn't a means to an end, right? This is an entire lifestyle that we're trying to cultivate. And if we, you know, if you hop on keto, maybe you will see great results because your friend Becky saw great results. But that doesn't mean that you're then going to carry those for the rest of your life. You might lose 30 pounds and then over the course of the next 10 years, gain 50. And now you're in a really bad spot. And so, you know, I, I love that you are seeing that shift away from that. 
And same with the CrossFit side. I think, as you mentioned, Lauren Fisher, I think Amanda Barnhart's doing, uh, has been doing a decent job of this as well. And even Brooke Wells. But, you know, I think what I noticed too, is these women are posting photos and videos in the off season and looking very different, like a very different physique than what you see them at, at the games or during sanctionals. And I think a lot of people were under the impression that those athletes looked like they did at the games year round all the time yeah right and i even had to talk with my fiance back when she started because it does lead to you know if you're following all these top athletes especially if you're a female following these top females you start thinking like how how do i look like that why why can't i look that lean why can't i be 15 percent body fat year round and have abs, you know, and it's, it's not maintainable. Those athletes don't even maintain it. And I loved when Amanda posted, I think it was, you know, the day before regionals and then three days after the games. And it's like, yeah, they don't look like that year round. No one looks like that year round unless you've got some kind of with Amanda too. I, I mean, I love her messaging. She's someone who, like, I communicate back and forth with. And she's also a highly educated human. She's a PC. Yes. Like, she understands the physique more than I think most. Um, but she also posted, that one was amazing. But then she also posted something last week. And someone was like, how do I get to look like you or something? And she was like, no offense, but this is also genetics. And she posted a, a photo of her, like, long before she started CrossFit. And it's like, yeah, she's always been naturally muscular. And not to say, like, oh, just blame your genetics and just don't worry about it. But, like, at some point, like, people just have certain body frames and types. And you can do only so much to change the whole physique of your body. And I love that she's so open and honest with that because I feel like people do. They comment on her body all the time. And she's like, guys, stop. Like, this is just like I'm an athlete. I feel my body. I work out. Like, you know, she's not she's not just a body. She's a human who actually, like, gives a crap, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, she she is super educated. She understands that entire side of it. So I think that definitely helps in her messaging and all the other women that are following that same trend. But I think that all of that's awesome. And even for the men too, I mean, the the men are a little bit different. They're, you know, obviously our hormones are geared more towards having more muscle and possibly staying a little bit leaner, but it's the same way. They don't look like that year round and it's not, it's not healthy to look that way. And I always tell folks, they're moving in the opposite direction on the spectrum, right? Like they have trained past health and are now backtracking. So I don't want you to use them as your standard because like you had mentioned, you're not working out six to eight hours a day. You're not having a PT, a Cairo and a deep tissue specialist working on you. You're not eating the way they're (laughs) eating and getting meals for free. Like you're not living that lifestyle and they're not going to be living that lifestyle forever either. So let's pick a different standard. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, extreme results require extreme measures. And that's what I tell a lot of people. I'm like these athletes, like some of them, you know, they, they, a lot of them recognize that it's short term and they also recognize the damage it's doing to their body. I mean, I look back to when I was a competitive swimmer, there is no way I could continue on that path. Like it was so draining. Um, and I actually used to work for a company, um, between all of the hospital and where I am now, um, called Insight Tracker and they're a blood testing company. And it was really cool because we did a lot. I worked with a lot of CrossFit athletes. So um, I got to, you know, look at their blood work and give them recommendations for diet and lifestyle tips based on what we were seeing. And I think what people also forget 
is like what you see on the outside is not always what you get on the inside. And so, yes, their physique may be amazing, but like maybe they're not getting a regular menstrual cycle or for the guys, maybe their libido is really low. Like, yeah, they look amazing, but their testosterone is tanking. And so we worked on a lot of athletes with that of like improving their cortisol levels, improving their inflammation, you know, getting their testosterone back to normal for the females, improving their female hormones. I mean, it's great on the outside. It looks great on Instagram, right? But on the inside, like their body's on fire all the time because it's constantly being asked to do things above and beyond what the body normally is supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and most of them are on, they know that, you know, they know it's short term and they know the pressure it's putting on their body, but they love their sport. It's a job and a career and a passion for them. And there's nothing wrong with that but 100% what you said like it's not realistic for the rest of the population to then say oh, I want to look like that well do you also want your hormones to be completely trashed do you want to constantly have to be watching what you're putting in your body and also have to go work out when you're exhausted but probably not <laughs> yeah exactly I tell folks like do you want to be so restrictive to have 6% body fat that you can't have a beer with your friends after work that you can't make <laughs> wings with your wife at the house or homemade pizza or whatever. Like there's, I used to be really restrictive in my efforts and yeah, my physique was leaner and I love the way I look. But over the last five years, I've really transitioned out of that because of that exact reason. Like I didn't want to live that way forever. I didn't want to be the guy bringing chicken and broccoli to that party because <laughs> I couldn't eat what they were eating. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not a life. It's uh, I don't want to call it a job, but it's a means to an end. It is. It is a job. I yeah. mean, they, I don't think people realize how hard it is to be a full-time athlete, especially in the CrossFit space, because it's not a professional sport. So you have your NFL players who also have a very strenuous schedule, but they also have people who literally do stuff for them from when they wake up to when they go to bed. A lot of these CrossFit athletes, they still have to work at their gym, whether they own the gym or they're coaching at the gym. A lot of them, while they get a lot of free products, they're not making enough to actually like pay the bills. And so I give them a lot of credit. And I also tell, that's why I try to tell people, I'm like, this is a full-time job for them. And they also have to do things on top of it to be able to pay the bills. Like that's, not great. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. I was just meaning like as a fitness enthusiast, as you would call ourselves, like that's not yeah. my job, but it's nope, time consuming. Not at all. <laughs> but with those guys, I, we're, I've worked with, I had a swimmer who I used to work with, really competitive swimmer. At the time, she was getting back into it, trying to make the Olympic team, uh, ended up missing that just by one spot. And then now was well on pace for 2020 was number oh. just took over number one spot in the world with a breaststroke oh, and that you know it was one of those things where seeing her train day in and day out as a professional swimmer like you had mentioned the professional crossfit athlete like those aren't actually like they're not making the money anywhere near the money that these mainstream sports are making and so these athletes mm -hmm. who are crossfit or swimming or some of these less uh you know in america these less popular sports they're like life is hard <laughs> they are beat up yeah. they are you know running on or walking on thin ice all the time and so you know tons of credit to them for having the passion the determination to keep chasing after it when the financial reward just really isn't there mm -mm. all right cool well another <laughs> that was a good tangent i loved it you know now we j we talked about looping back we talked about the three things or two things we said that we 
thought we were doing well on the fitness and nutrition space. So what about three or even two things that we're doing horribly, like some things that definitely need a change or should be addressed in some way? Um, I'm very passionate about this, but people believing that because they eat or because they've had success with a diet that they are now an expert. Um, I feel like we still have not gotten away from that. And I don't know why. I mean, even the medical medium is influencing people to continue to drink celery juice. And the man has no medical background, no scientific background. And it's just because of this influencer world. Um, And I don't know how we break through from it. I mean, I'm always mind blown how like, the contestants from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, like, yes, I shamelessly watch that, but <laughs> I'm not enamored by them on Instagram. I find them annoying mostly. I'm like, you're not providing any value to society, except on the show where you're entertaining me. <laughs> like, that's it. Um, but you look at a lot of them and, you know, they, they have so much influence, but they have no experience or expertise in the matter. And so this one girl I used to follow, she used to eat McDonald's every day. And yeah, she has great genetics, but what does she look like on the inside? She is not an expert. She's not just telling people to have McDonald's every day. I mean, that's obviously an extreme, but that's something we have not broken through, and I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't quite get why people are so blinded by celebrities and influencers. Um, it's very confusing to me. <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's what we're not, we're not doing a great job of. Like we're still letting people have a say who should not have a say. And I'm not trying to like reduce freedom of speech. I obviously believe that everyone should have be able to say what they want to say. But I do believe that there needs to be more restrictions and licensure and guidance for the nutrition field. I just feel like, you know, it's a no man's land right now. And I don't I don't believe that it should just be a dietitian's world. But I do believe there should be some restrictions, you know, you can't just go and say, hey, I'm going to go, um, you know, clean someone's teeth today. Everyone would look at you like you're crazy, right? You go with a dentist for that. Um, same with a doctor. Like, I can't just prescribe pills whenever I want. I have to go with a doctor and get them. And so I think if we had more, you know, control in the nutrition world, I think that it would do, it would do um, more good than harm, even though people think it would do the opposite. Um, let's see what else. I also think that we're... Um, I don't know how to put this, but I feel like we're trying to make nutrition nutrition seem easy. Like, oh, it's, you know, just just eat less and work out more. Like, I don't know why we still, we always come back to that. And I'm like, yes, in in a very like, uh, like basic overarching bird's eye view, yes, eating less and moving more is a general guideline, but it's so much more complicated than that because us as humans are so incredibly complicated. Every single one of my clients is dealing with some different issue as far as eating goes, whether it's a history of eating disorder, whether it's type 1 diabetes, whether it's hypothyroidism. Like there's so many different metabolic and hormonal pathways internally. And so it's not as easy as eat less, move more. And I don't know why we haven't transitioned away from that. I, I, I feel like we have and then yet we haven't. I'll still see messages like that. And I'm like, yeah, but like, what about the person who has like their thyroid isn't completely in the tank? Tell me why they're not losing weight. Is it because they're not they're they're already eating twelve hundred calories? Like, let's let's have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with you there because I thought the same thing when I was in school, right? Well, maybe after I got out of school, of you know when you're and you had this education, everything's energy balance when you're in that formal education setting, like energy balance, yep. energy balance, energy balance, and kind of like the mindset of like a calorie is a calorie. And, you know, then you start getting into the real world and seeing these experiences and working with people. 
And it's not as simple as just energy balance. Like there's so much more that goes into it. And you mentioned some, you know, metabolic disorders, but there's also, like we had talked about at the top of the episode, the psychological component that no one's really addressing. (laughs) And that's typically, at least what we've seen, that affects more people than almost anything else is because they're either not ready for change or they're at a point where it's just not realistic. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, my, I have most of my clients seek therapy. And it's because nutrition is, um, it's so psychological. And it's, it's very hard to deal with your eating if you have not dealt with the other demons inside of your head. And I obviously can do some um, motivational interviewing and cognitive behavioral therapy as far as nutrition goes, but my scope ends pretty soon. So as soon as there's like some history of eating disorder or history of trauma, like they need therapy ASAP. And a lot of times we work hand in hand with, you know, having a therapist and having me work through everything related to nutrition. Yeah. We, Ashley and I have this conversation a lot recently and it's something that we've both said, you know, she's already started it a little bit of, of talking with somebody and, and really trying to like dig deeper and find these like root, the root of the problem or the root of what could potentially be a problem. And I'm the same way. Like I, how you said you're empathetic to a vulnerability. I am like robotic to a vulnerability. I can (laughs) shut it off and just go, go, go. And it looks like a strength most of the time, but we both know working with clients, like you need that there. And I think we're starting to see a shift too in the space of professionals saying like, hey, it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to have a therapist and talk to someone like I'm doing it. You should do it. Like it's not a it's not a problem. It's actually a benefit to you and to everyone that you have relationships with. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, now that we know what we're doing good and we're doing, we're not doing so good in working with your clients, you know, what, what have you found to be the biggest misconception out there? What, what you hear most from people in terms of probably nutrition, but maybe even it relates to fitness. Oh, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is your weight. And I believe once again, that there's a spectrum, like weight is a factor of health. It's not the factor of health. Um, It's like, I tell people your health is like a puzzle and your weight is a puzzle piece. And so I believe that a lot of people come into my practice and they say that they want weight loss. And of course, like that's, that's why people think they need a dietitian. And to be honest, weight loss is for the furthest thing that, that we work on. Like some people will lose weight in the process. Some people will lose the weight of losing weight is what I call it. It's like, we finally dig down into like, what is your relationship with food? Like, you know, how do you eat your, feed yourself? Do you even like vegetables? Like we have all these conversations So it starts with weight loss and then it ends up, I want to improve my relationship with food and I want to stop feeling like I'm constantly thinking about food and worrying about food and worrying about my body. And so I think that's a misconception is like weight is the only thing that matters. It's not, it's like one factor that matters. I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, yeah, being overweight or being obese is healthy, but we also have to say, okay, what weight makes the most sense for you? And it's probably not the weight that looks the best on paper or what you think looks the best on paper. So um, we tend to not work on weight loss. Normally the first session is, you know, I say, what are your goals? And most people say, I want to lose weight. 
and I ask them how much, and then we talk about weight and kind of their history with it, and then we start unfolding everything else. And they almost come to the conclusion themselves of like, holy cow, it's not really that I want to lose weight, it's that I want to figure out how to feed myself, how to feel good about myself, how to be able to go for a run when I go want to go for a run. And so for a lot of people, they'll lose weight naturally, but for other people, we may not see weight loss in three to six months. We may see complete habit change and complete mindset change, and then eventually we'll see weight loss. And so um, that's kind of the thing that I see is like, everyone's focusing on health weight equals health and that's just so far from the truth yeah couldn't agree more we actually did a post a while back and it was a giant puzzle board it was a puzzle and every piece had some kind of factor of health on it or component of wellness and we said the same message you know it's not just about one of these things it's about all of these things and like you had just mentioned you might start out thinking it's weight loss that you want to pursue but number one, weight loss or your body weight and your body composition don't always go hand in hand. And so like you had mm-hmm. said, the weight that looks good on paper, your body composition can completely change the way that that weight looks on your actual body. And so that's something to consider. And then, you know, like you said, it's really not about the weight loss. Most people are struggling with habits, healthy habits, sustainability, being consistent, and then if you continue to dig deep enough, it goes way past our scope of practice and then, you know, reverts back to, hey, maybe you should talk to somebody about this that is qualified mm-hmm. to talk to you about these things. <laughs> so uh, definitely. we're definitely on the same page there. And now, you know, without, uh, or let, let's talk about, now that we're saying talk to somebody, have, have a coach or a nutrition coach or a dietitian. I think a lot of people underestimate the value of that underestimate the value of a, just a coach in general, whether whatever we're talking about fitness or nutrition or even life. And so I thought you and I could just go back and forth, you know, what do you, what are the benefits of having a coach? Do you think everyone should have a coach or does everyone need a coach? And maybe just talk to some of your experiences as well. Um, I think everyone could benefit from a coach. I don't think everyone needs a coach to be successful, but I think everyone could benefit. I mean, myself included, I'm lucky that I'm part of an entire web of dietitians, but like I've reached out to how many dietitians to ask them questions about my health and my nutrition. Like I'm not the expert on me. I'm the expert on nutrition who then I guide people. Um, But I think most people could benefit. Um, especially if, like, even if you think you're doing everything well, I have some people come to me and say, you know, I just want to make sure that what I'm doing is okay and that I get some validation and I get some tips, tips and tricks to maybe make it even more robust and better. I, I mean, I have clients who I literally, like, I get off the phone with them and I'm like, dang, I have nothing for them. But they didn't come to me for an entire list of what to do. They came to me to be coached, to have accountability and to kind of get that like reassurance, just like you go to your doctor daily or daily, nope, yearly. (laughs) You know, a lot of people just go for a check and they normally get the green light, everything's okay. And people feel better, you know, they just wanna check in. Same with your dog, you take your dog to the vet to get checked in. And so that's where a nutrition coach can really be helpful of like, hey, you know, I'm eating X, Y, and Z, and these are my thoughts around food, and these are my activities. Like, what do you think? And so sometimes, literally, I'm just there to bounce ideas off of, to tell you you're doing okay, to provide you resources, and just to be in your court so that you don't have to Google things or look at influencers and wonder if what you're doing is right. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And you probably deal with more special populations or folks with some of these metabolic disorders. So that obviously requires the expertise and the experience and all those things to actually help them. 
But I think for most folks who you had mentioned in the beginning are your quote unquote, like ideal clients, if they're fitness enthusiasts and they're active and they have a basic understanding of nutrition, and this is what we see a lot with our folks, like you said, they don't need a whole lot from us other than the accountability and the support piece. And like you said, maybe checking in just to see if, you know, what they're doing is somewhat correct or somewhat going to put them on the right path. And we have tons of clients like that who we talk to them on the phone and we think, damn, this person is killing it. And that's all like, that's all like, I just want to give them a fist bump because they're just <laughs> doing so awesome versus yeah. someone who actually needs like, hey, these are our next action steps. This is what we need to do to move forward. I need you to be more dialed in with X, Y, Z. Most folks just want to talk to somebody, like you said, check in and be held accountable to someone other than themselves. Right. And you think about um, the CrossFit environment is perfect for this. How many people come in and they don't necessarily even want to be coached. They just want to be seen. They want to, you know, have a community and, I mean, think about how good it feels when someone does give you a fist bump or tells you good job. Like, you know, I think that people forget that in nutrition, like I try really hard. So every time I talk to a client, we talk about their wins first. Like, what were your wins of the week? And sometimes they don't have anything nutrition related. It's like, hey, I got a raise or you know what? My kids actually slept through the night. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm like, your lifestyle and your entire life is going to reflect in your nutrition and your nutrition back in your life. So we talked about the wins first. Like, let's give you some pats on the back because, you know, we're all, we're all going through stuff all the time. Life is hard. And so if we can focus on the positives, like that's part of having a coach. Your coach gets to celebrate you. It's, it's you know, a lot of times it's when my clients go over, they're like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, this is your time. This is your hour. This is for you. Don't worry about me. I'm here to support you. You get to talk about you for an entire hour, hour and a half. And I think that's therapeutic for people too. <laughs> yeah. Because who doesn't love talking about themselves, right? <laughs> Even right. if you don't want to admit it, everybody loves it. Yeah. So you, I feel like that's part of it too, is being able to say, Hey, like I ate three vegetables this week. And you're like, right on. Like, that's great. You're going in the right direction. And you get to give that virtual fist pump or that, you know, I'm proud of you. And people, I think people need that to be successful long-term. They need that support and that accountability and that, you know, they feel like they have someone in their court who's rooting for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for you and I, right? Like there's times where, I need to be held accountable. And there's a reason that I, when the gyms are open, that I take the classes at the gyms I'm working at. Yeah. Like I'm not, <laughs> I can work out in my garage every day if I wanted to, but I don't because I want to be surrounded by like-minded people. I don't need, you know, like obviously there's areas that I can improve and mechanics that I can refine, but in a general sense, I don't need a coach watching me every single second of the workout and trying right. to cue me into the best position possible. Like overall, I move pretty well. I know I'm moving safely. I know I'm moving effectively, but I would love a fist bump of like, Hey man, that was awesome. Best time of the day. Or like, Holy shit, you came in seven days this week and killed it. Whatever the, the cue or the compliment may be, we're there for that. We're not necessarily there for all of the instruction, just like our clients aren't necessarily there for all of the instructions or help that we're going to provide them. And I think that's also an area where younger coaches and younger dietitians and younger nutritionists struggle, and I was there too, is giving too much information, giving too many goals, too many habit changes. It's really easy to fall into that trap, right? Like the person is paying me. I have to now read them the encyclopedia and give them everything to be successful. 
And I I mean, like I said, I've been there, done that. Like my first clients probably got way too much information and probably weren't successful long-term because they're like, okay, this is a lot. I'm not going to do any of it. So I think that's the other thing too, is like from the coaching perspective is understanding that like you're, think about you as a client, think about getting a, you know, a whole book from your doctor telling you, you need to read all this and do all this to change. You're probably not going to do any of it. So giving one or two things in your, you know, weekly, biweekly, monthly calls is all a person needs to be successful and to be able to make those changes. So that's something that I've learned over the years too, is like the less you do sometimes the better. Oh, I love that point because I had a mentor and he always, I think he always called it word vomit, but I was the same (laughs) thing, right? Like when you're first starting out, especially if you have a formal education, like, you know, all of the information about physiology and anatomy and the biochemistry that goes into all of these things. And, you know, people, normal people don't give a shit about any of that. They don't want to know the name of the muscle. They don't want to know about, you know, the, the energy systems of the body. All they want to know is, did they do a good job? Because no one else in their life is probably telling them they did a good job or very few people. And they just want to feel cared for and supported. And, as a new coach, you're definitely more inclined to fall into that camp because you're trying to provide, and it's probably well-intended, like you're trying to provide value, Definitely. but the value can come from much simpler or more simplistic methods. Definitely. Awesome. Well, today in closing, I thought it'd be good (laughs) if we left folks with one or two simple, practical pieces of advice that they can take with them right now, like finish listening to the podcast, get off their phone, and say, all right, I'm going to start doing this today. You know, what, what are two things that you would tell the listeners that will actually have a significant impact or put them on the right path? Um, be very careful who you take advice from. Um, I think it's Brene Brown who talks about it. I'm like a huge fan of hers. And she's basically like, have a list of five people whose opinions actually matter and the rest don't. And same with advice, like have a very small set of people who you actually take nutrition, fitness, life advice from, maybe have one in each category. Like this is my fitness guru. This is my nutrition guru. Because I feel like sometimes we get information overload. And then also unfollow the people that just don't serve you. The people who like you look at constantly end up feeling bad for yourself. Like just unfollow them. It's not worth your time. You liking their posts is not going to make them like you. And so follow people who actually make you feel good about yourself. So that's kind of like one. And the second one, which I work on with my clients, so don't expect for this to happen overnight, but to trust yourself. Your body is honestly like it's, you need to put more trust back into it because it knows what it's doing. You just have to provide more trust. And I feel like in 2020, we're looking for so much external stimulus or external reinforcement to tell us that we're doing things right. When really we sometimes need to look internally and say, how do I feel? How does this make me feel? How did that food make me feel? Did I like, do I actually like cookies or do I only like cookies when someone gives them to me and I'm trying to impress them? Like really just trying to trust yourself and how you feel and like, do I need a rest day today? Okay. Yeah. Everyone on the internet's working out, but what do I need? So it's that whole, like trying to trust yourself feedback loop. It takes a lot of practice. And I think I will be practicing this for the rest of my life. But really trying to trust yourself is the biggest thing you can do for yourself because you know you best. You're the only person who can feel how you feel. And so if you don't trust yourself, then no one will. So you have to really just like dig deep and you might need a therapist for that. You might need a dietitian. You might need a coach, but like learn to start trusting yourself. 
Love it. Mic drop. That was awesome. <laughs> no, those are fantastic. I don't have anything else to add. Well, uh, Laura, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I think the conversation was awesome and I think people get a lot out of it. If the folks that were listening, if they want to find out more about you, uh, check out your awesome recipes, find out more about the services you offer, where can they find you? Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, I mostly hang out on Instagram at the sassy dietitian, two T's, no C. Um, and then you can also find me at the sassy dietitian.com. I don't know anything about TikTok or that world. So Instagram and, and website are the best places to find me or contact me and get a hold of me. That's perfect. Well, I, I'm pretty sure, and I also am not an expert on TikTok, but I'm pretty sure you cannot message someone on TikTok unless you're friends with them or you follow them. So Interesting. Instagram would be better. Yes. Come, come find me on Instagram. I do respond to every DM. I'm a little behind right now, but I do eventually get to everybody. So if I don't, respond immediately there will come a time when i will <laughs> love it well again thank you so much we are so appreciative of you taking the time to do this and uh hopefully we'll chat again in the near future yeah thanks for having me hey guys as always thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you're an avid listener and you want to support us in some way the best way to do so is to go to itunes and leave us a review so that's your way to give back to us we would appreciate it so 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 much and we love you guys. Without you, we couldn't do this each and every week. And we look forward to bringing you more content, more value, and more guests as we go through this year. We'll see you guys next time.